Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Dion. Well, do keep uh, your Bibles open, uh, if you can, at that passage. And perhaps we could have uh, that image up there again, Andy, um, of holiness. Uh, A couple of uh, different options. Very good. Did anyone note the joke in the bottom left? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Holiness. Special, sacred, holy places. Distinctive. Holy lives lived apart. His Holiness, the Pope. It's not a completely unfamiliar thing, is it? But I think it's probably also fair to say, when we look at the whole sweep of Christendom from uh, AD 33 to now, whilst once Holiness was quite aspirational, it hasn't had the best of half centuries or so, or frankly, whole centuries. There was a time when the heroes of the Christian faith were distinguished above everything else for their holiness by just how, frankly, utterly different they were, how utterly set apart from everyone else they were. I was reading this week uh, about Paul the Hermit, not Paul the Apostle, Paul the Hermit. He was uh, born around 230 AD in Thebes, uh, Egypt, and uh, he died a century or so later 
somewhere in the Theban desert. Now, <clears throat> Paul was one of what the church has come to know, the desert fathers, the early heroes of the faith. And he'd grown up in a, in a wealthy family. Uh, but um, as the Roman persecution of Christians spread, um, he narrowly escaped being denounced by his brother. And he fled to the mountains where he discovered a great cave. Um, and that's where he lived uh, his, for that t- time, extraordinarily long life, uh, over 100 years apparently, mostly unseen. Now the way that we know about Paul apparently is particularly telling of the aspirations of the time. So the historian uh, Jerome, he wrote a history about him and he describes how another monk, a guy called uh, Antony, came to see Paul as it happens, luck would have it, the day before Paul died. And this had been Paul's first guest for nearly a century. And uh, Antony uh, comes up to the, to, the, to the cave and uh, he sees Paul, limbs worn out with age, shaggy white head. For decades, Paul has only eaten half a loaf of bread daily, drunk from a nearby spring. And uh, Antony is overcome with awe. Uh, I've met a modern-day Elijah in the desert, he says. And uh, having seen this spiritual titan, he says, I'm going to come back tomorrow. And the next day, Paul dies. Antony comes back to his cave and finds Paul kneeling as if in prayer in communion with God, apparently, you know, wanting nothing in his last moment. Now, I'm I'm dwelling on this just for a moment, because if I was talking to you about holiness 1,800 years ago, you would all have thought, that is absolutely brilliant. That guy, he, that is exactly how I want to be. Now, I'm I'm trying to work out by the looks on your faces where, where where you're still in that place, uh, if you are, God bless you. But I'm imagining that we're not quite in that place today. Now, it's, it's probably no bad thing that a century of isolation in a cave features less prominently on the bucket lists of um, uh, Christians today. Uh, impressive though his lifestyle was, he, um, he obviously wasn't in any immediate danger of going with the crowd. Um, he might have just egged the pudding a little bit too far in the opposite direction. We might want to have asked Paul the Hermit, for example, how do you sort of do that loving your neighbor thing when the last time you actually saw your neighbor was almost a century ago? But anyway, Paul the Hermit was certainly different. He was certainly different. But here's the difficult thing about holiness. Was he actually holy? And by the way, I don't want to get into the finer points of, you know, whether it's right to be a hermit or not. Just focus on the question for now. Because holiness, the right kind of holiness, is going to reflect the awesome otherworldly character of God. Being holy is not just being odd. It's being different, like God. And one of the challenges for us, I guess, today, is that we perhaps are in danger in missing the point in the other direction. We're so unlikely to end up as monks in desert caves, perhaps we have lost any grip on a love for holiness at all. So what about holiness today? Should we be aiming for it? What does it look like today? Well, those are some of the questions that we are confronted with as we come to this next little section in 1 Peter. Uh, We started last week reading this. If you missed it, do go back online and and catch up. 
as we're told at the beginning, this is a letter written by Peter, the, the apostle, to the new Christian churches spread out around the northern Mediterranean, late 50s or so, uh, early 60s AD. And last week we focused on how uh, he addressed them, these, these Christians, as exiles, spiritual aliens, if you like, uh, because their faith in, in, in Christ gave them a different identity to the people around them. And that's as true as, as it was then today for us as Christians. And today we're going to see how he builds on that by calling them to be holy. And the summary verse, if you like it, is there in verse 15. Have a look down uh, uh, on your device or in your Bible there. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. Let's have that up uh, if we can, Andy. Uh, The next slide. Be holy for I am holy. And I'm praying that as we spend a few minutes considering Peter's words back then, We're going to have a new sense of the place of holiness in our own lives and a new desire to actually reflect that beautiful, awesome holiness of God. So perhaps as we do that, let's just take a moment of quiet and I'm going to lead us in prayer. Lord, we come to you this evening, the awesome and holy God. And we come to your holy word as well. The words that you have spoken through the Spirit to the authors of these scriptures many centuries ago that carry, because of your Holy Spirit, your Holy Word straight to us today. We pray that you would open our eyes to what you have to say to us today and give us a heart to reflect your wonderful holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, let's go back to the start of this section. Have a look down at uh, 1 Peter verse 13. Uh, uh, Thank you, Stu, for pointing us to it already. He says, Therefore, uh, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. One of the great struggles uh, as Christians is that for now, we don't see it all. Uh, So we have to set our hope on a time when we will see it all, when Jesus is revealed. I was speaking to a friend this week who who was in a real bind. If she had been willing to lie, uh, she would almost certainly have uh, been able to improve her circumstances quite significantly. She would have spared herself a lot of discomfort, a lot of inconvenience. She probably would have got, got away with it as well, as unlikely anyone would have checked up on her. But out of obedience to Jesus, she wasn't prepared to lie about uh, an official document. And right now, for her, that is actually a really painful place to be. Uh, out of obedience to Jesus... The costs are really obvious. You can really see exactly how this is going to go badly in in the immediate term. But she can't see Jesus right now. So it's hard. But one day that's going to change. Either she's going to be called home or, or Jesus is going to return. And at that moment, his words 
are going to become to her to us so evidently true. We're going to see them. We're really going to grasp them. And anything that we've done that is following those commands is going to seem like a really, really, really good idea. And the consequences, the challenges, the costs that there have been of following that are going to fade away. But we're not there yet. We're not in that moment when we can see with blazing clarity the value of all those small steps of obedience. So for now, we're holding on for that moment as Christians. And that's what Peter is encouraging these Christians to do. It's a bit like you're in a platoon and it's holding its position uh, under fire because apparently there's a a promise of relief. There are going to be some reinforcements coming. And because you know the reinforcements are coming, you're going to keep going for now. There is a mental effort in persevering as a Christian for that. So verse 13, again, with minds that are alert and fully sober, we set our hope on the grace to be brought when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. I wonder this evening where your hope is. Where, what's the horizon for you? What is it that you're really holding out for? You know, it may be a relationship kind of sorting itself out. It may be uh, a job promotion or it may be some circumstances that you hope are going to improve perfectly reasonable things. But how about this? Setting your hope on the grace to be revealed when Jesus Christ returns. Now, once we set our hope like that, that, that enables us to lead a distinctive holy life with more confidence right now. And that's what Peter comes on to next. He says, verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who calls you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Three really Striking things, I think, jump out here about living a holy life. Number one, Peter is challenging our desires. He's saying, don't conform to the evil desires you had. In other words, a holy life involves a battle with our desires. It involves a battle of the will. So this is normal Christian experience, right? There's a part of me that wants to do X, and I'm going to have to resist that desire and do something else. Because that goes against God's way. And that means living God's way involves not falling in with everything that we might want to do. It means a certain amount of personal resistance. And that is actually really quite an extraordinarily countercultural thing to do today. Um, I, I don't need to tell you this, but there's that popular aspiration in our culture, isn't it? That we should be true to ourselves. Be true to yourself. And of course, there's a lot that's good in that phrase. You know, it's helped people be honest um, and authentic. It's helped people acknowledge the, the good in how they've been made. But it is a really problematic mantra as, as a Christian, if we're going to apply it all the time. Because sometimes we're called to do exactly the opposite. So I myself want to go this way. And actually, as a Christian, I need to be true not to me right now, but to Jesus Don't be true to yourself. Be true to Christ. And of course, ultimately, it's you in the image of Christ that is the real you that he wants from you. So there's the first thing. Peter is challenging our desires. 
Second thing that jumps out here, that is, there's clearly some learning to do. Peter says, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now, if I was there when this letter was being read out, <laughs> I might have bristled a little bit. Oi, who, who are you calling ignorant? Um, I, I guess uh, ignorance is a bit of a loaded word in our culture, but ultimately it just means not knowing. Okay? So there is stuff that these Christians now know, which they didn't know before. And because they now know this stuff, they're going to live differently. Perhaps there was a time when you weren't a Christian, um, or you were really young in your faith, and you just didn't really know what it would mean to follow him. No one really told you, you hadn't particularly taken an interest to investigate, to, to think about it. That's normal. Perhaps that's true for someone here tonight. You you just don't really know a great deal about what it means to, to follow Christ. Perhaps you feel like you're kind of really in the foothills of the Christian life, you know, just starting along the way. And by the way, if that's you, it's wonderful to have you here. I hope that you, you find, Emmanuel, a place where you're welcome, where you, where you can grow, where you can learn. And that, that takes time. Uh, it takes people, brothers and sisters on the walk, you know, we, I hope that happens through our Sunday worship. I hope it happens through joining a small group. If you'd like to know more about that, joining a small group to uh, encourage one another, read the scriptures together, and deepening relationships. It, it requires deepening uh, relationships with other Christians in this church. All of that uh, enables you to come to, to learn a new way of living. And of course, we've all got L plates on here. All of us have. Whether we've been following Christ for a month or... Um, 50 years, we're all learning obedience. And, and actually, that's what part of our vision is about. We, we, we want to be a place of deep discipleship, says our vision. Being a disciple, that just means someone who's learning, a learner. For all of us, there's learning to do. There's, there's thinking, there's discovering Christ's way. That's what it's like to be a Christian. So there's some learning to do. That's the second thing about holiness. I wonder where you are on that journey. You know, have, you, have you thought about it? Are you eager to seek out the way that Christ puts out there for you to follow? I wonder, do you just, would you just pick up the scriptures and just read because you want to know, what, what's the Lord's, what does the Lord say to me about how I could live? There's learning to be done. And third, our holiness is based on God's holiness. Our holiness is based on God's holiness. Verse 15. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I'm holy. Now, uh, that is actually a, a quote. And uh, if you've got uh, one of these pew Bibles, you can trace down to the bottom of the page there and see it comes from where it says Lev 1144. It comes from Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, fourth book of the Bible. Uh, uh, and... Uh, Leviticus is a book of the law, um, and uh, if you've ever read Leviticus, you'll know that there's a lot of laws in there, apparently 251 or something like that, almost half of all the laws in the, in, in the Bible, and some of them uh, feel a little bit strange, like not eating shellfish and you know, not having different fibers in a garment and so forth. And it's not immediate when you, as you read it, particularly from a, a Western perspective, what all of that really means for us. 
Well, here is this lovely little verse plucked out from Leviticus that really explains it. The purpose of all of that is back then and now is quite simple. Be holy because I am holy, says God. Back then, people were to live in a distinctive way, in a holy way, because they had a distinctive holy God. He was different to all the gods of the nations around them. And so it is to be today. Our God is different. He is different in his power, in his compassion, in his knowledge, in his wisdom, in his purposes. He's just nothing at all like the world around us, the stuff that they worship. And because he's different, so should our lives be. God's desire is this. He longs for people to look at our lives and say, these people, they are different. These people at Emmanuel South Croy, they they are different. There is something profoundly, beautifully different about them. I wonder if it's something about the God they follow. That's the picture. Okay, so uh, that's the third thing about our holiness. It's based on the holiness of God. Let's just see how far we've got. As Christians, we're strangers in the world. We are to live distinctive, holy lives. Resisting those desires that uh, pull us away from God's, going God's way, learning his way. And and to have a holiness that's based on the very holiness of God. So I've gone big on the motivation. Um, And look, there's a lot about the practice that I'm not going to get into today. I'm going to say a few things about that in a moment. But I wanted to go big on the motivation because I think that's the thing that really gets us out out of bed in the morning, as it were, in terms of our holiness. But I think also there are probably a few questions here that are worth dealing with. Perhaps you're wondering, for example, hang on. How does this tie in with all that stuff? I'm pretty sure I've heard many times in church about, isn't God all love and acceptance? Uh, Isn't the point that God accepts us as we are? What's all the stuff about, you know, like trying really hard to live differently? And secondly, getting back to where we started, I mean, what exactly should be different in a Christian's life? What is holy and what is frankly just weird? Okay, if, you know, white socks and sandals is just odd. Like perhaps there are some modern equivalents of that in our Christian life. That actually, they're, they're just odd. They're, they're not really, sorry, no, you know, no offense to white socks and sandals. I wear socks and sandals regularly in my home. So, you know, we can be buddies about that at a later time. But you get the point. Two important questions. I want to deal with the first one. Let's deal with the first one. How, what, how, what's, the, what's this got to do with grace and God accepting us as we are. Now, this is a really important question. Is this be holy idea going to go against the fundamentals of what Jesus taught? Uh, We had our baptism preparation uh, class this afternoon, and we were looking at the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Do you remember that one? They both go up to pray, and the Pharisee says to God, look, God, thank you so much that I'm not like all these other people. They really are awful. But I am, you know, I'm great. I mean, I just give so much money to charity and I've fasted twice this week. And, you know, that's, it's just great. And then the tax collector stands at a distance and he beats his breast and he says, God, have mercy on me, um, a sinner. Uh, I, I'm not holy. Unlike the Pharisee, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm really holy and thank you, God, that I am. And then Jesus comes in with his kind of bomb, 
you know, bombshell. He says, well, um, it's the tax collector who gets justified, not the Pharisee. It's the guy who knows he isn't holy who's accepted by God, not the guy who thinks he is. So how do we, how do we put these two things together? Well, there's a bit of a clue in verse 18 of 1 Peter. So just have a look at verse 18 here. Verse 18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Peter is saying, look, we've been forgiven. Yeah, we are all unholy by nature. We sin. But we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish or defect. His holiness in exchange for our unholiness. Yeah, we do. We come to God so aware of our own unholiness. And those who trust in Christ, he accepts us despite it. But the life that he calls us to lead as a response, that is different. He wants us to be transformed into his likeness. Holiness is our aim. I've said, I've given this image many times up here. Forgive me if you're getting bored of it. But, you know, holiness is our destination on the sat-nav. Yeah, and okay, you know, we go left, right. We don't necessarily follow the instructions. But that is, that's what we've plugged into our destination. That's where we, we're to be heading. But it's not our entry ticket. We don't get to God and say, well, by the way, I've just done so much great stuff. You're probably really pleased I'm going to come and join your team. No, it's, it's, it's our response. And of course, we'll want to be acutely aware of all sorts of fake holinesses, like that Pharisee. Beware of the imposter called holier than thouness. You come across that? Holier than thouness? It's an attitude that has very little to do with the kind of holiness of the Lord. It has a lot to do with just my own pride. Look at me, I've just you know, done this really holy thing. Likewise, we want to, want to watch out for the don't get anything wrong holiness. Do you know about the don't get anything wrong holiness? So this is the one where you work out all the things you're not supposed to do and you just make a life out of just making sure you don't get any of those wrong. Meanwhile, you can completely ignore the stuff that you're supposed to do because no one can really kind of call you out on that stuff because it's not so obvious. A distinctive life is always a response to God's love and acceptance. But finally, what exactly should be holy? What exactly should be different. Well, the full answer for that takes a lifetime of learning and meditating on scriptures. I just want to bring out a couple of thoughts just from this passage today as we close. And the first one that comes from uh, where, we, where we began in verse 14, it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That's not necessarily obvious for us, but that word evil desires probably has particular connotations for sexual desires. One element of our holiness is that we use our sexuality in the way that God has intended it to be used. The scriptural picture of sex is a wonderful, beautiful thing that strengthens community, that gives a place for commitment and the place for families to be raised. And the challenge here is, will we, in terms of our sexuality, live out that kind of holiness 
or actually more in line with perhaps what our culture would say? Is it just you know, a desire that at any time we can meet without the need for commitment? So that's just one area that we might want to think about. We read on. There's much more to be said there. And one of the issues I think in the church is historically is often we focus on sex as the only kind of thing that, you know, this, this is the big marker and none of the other stuff doesn't matter. But there's so much more to it here. For example, if we just uh, uh, keep going, uh, have a look at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere mutual affection, love one another deeply from the heart. A deep love for one another. That is a really, really distinctive thing. Do you know what? One of the things I love about this church is the way that different people who are so different from one another love one another and share their lives with one another and prepare to set aside significant amounts of time to be with one another and support one another and share life together. Loving one another deeply is part of our holiness. Uh, what else can we find here? Well, how about um, beginning, of verse, uh, beginning of chapter 2? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. You know, I, I don't know what your workplace is like, but uh, often the way the world deals with conflict is people gossip. They say nasty things, but no one wants to say it to someone's face because that's a bit embarrassing. And, you know. But, you know, plenty of chat over the photocopier. Well, our calling as Christians is to rid ourselves of that kind of hypocrisy or envy or slander or malice. And then uh, one last thing here from verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that in it, by it you may grow up in your salvation. One, one element of holiness is this desire to grow as Christians, to just crave growth. To want to not just stay as a baby Christian, like, okay, I've got my ticket to ride, it's fine now. But to be just eager to, to grow more and more in faith. Now, there is so much more that I could say on this, but time uh, eludes us. I hope that that's given you a little bit of a glimpse of what it might look like to follow this holiness. Perhaps there's something to talk about afterwards as you, uh, you know, share some time over coffee uh, or in your small groups through the week. What does this radically different lifestyle look like? But I'd like to close now by just returning uh, to the beginning. And verse uh, 15 and 16, perhaps the band will come up uh, and join me as I do this. Because I want to return to our motivation. The wonderful picture that the Lord gives us. This is the way to navigate it. The kind of holiness he wants from us is the very kind of holiness that he has. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Let's just take a moment of quiet. Perhaps you might want to uh, keep your Bibles open. Look at those verses. Perhaps you want to close them, close your eyes. Ask the Lord for his help and his spirit to perhaps put his finger on those things in your life that you might feel need to change or ways in which you might want to respond to what we've looked at tonight. Just after a little, little moment of quiet, um, the band are going to start to uh, uh, play, and I'm going to lead us in a time of response and prayer. So let's just take a moment of quiet.
Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.